Today we're going to look at the subject of play and rest. Play and rest. Because play and rest are absolutely essential to our well-being. And it's quite fun to say, take an inventory of your own heart and say, actually, how at rest am I? What's ruling my internal world? Am I ruled by worry, fear and anxiety? Or am I ruled by peace? There's actually nothing more precious than peace of mind. Live in a a world that's rushing, anxious, hurrying, and people long for peace of mind. You've probably all read the tragic stories of the person who wins the lottery. They win 30, 40 million pounds, but they have no peace of mind. Or you might have read the story about the person who dreamt of becoming a famous actor or actress. They make it, and then they say, but I've got no peace of mind. Or the person who wins the X Factor gets a record contract, travels all around the world and says, you know what, I've got no peace of mind. Or it can be ordinary men and women who dream of uh, thinking, okay, if I get that job or I marry that person or we have these children or I go to this place or I have these resources, then everything will be good and I'll have peace and then find that none of those things give them peace of mind. And Jesus says, I've got peace of mind for you. I've got rest for you. So if you've got a Bible, it's great to read these words. Matthew 11, verse 28. So say you're here this morning and you're thinking, do you know what, I don't have peace of mind. I I don't feel at rest. I feel my anxiety is, is my lifestyle. You want to hear these words and, and when we hear the Bible, it's more than just information, it's an opportunity for transformation. So when we're reading the Bible, we want to hear these as more than just familiar words. We want to hear them as an invitation from Jesus to come and experience what we're reading. And Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. He doesn't say, go to your career. He doesn't say, go and be famous. He doesn't say, go and win a lot of money. He says, come to me. You can get really familiar with Jesus and forget what he's actually offering. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. And then he says, I, I will give you rest and take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And just as sometimes we have these, these words that we just need to unpack, yoke. What do you, what do you mean? <laughs> take my egg. <laughs> yoke um, in agricultural farming communities, the ox were in a yoke 
You know, when they plough the field, it's the wooden thing on their back. And often how they would train the baby ox, they would put the baby ox with the big ox, and the little ox would learn from being in the yoke, in the harness, to plough the field with the big ox. And the big ox was really doing most of the pulling. But the little ox was learning how to pull by being with the big ox. So Jesus is saying, um, take my yoke, get in this harness with me, and, and learn from me. I'm going to be the big ox in this relationship, and you're going to be the baby ox, and I'm going to be doing really most of the pulling, but you're going to be in it with me. So you're not going to be passive, you're going to be with me. And he says, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke, my weight, what I'm going to put on you isn't going to be ill-fitting or a heavy thing. It's going to be really easy and the burden I put on you is going to be really light. That's Jesus. So there's nothing more precious than peace of mind. Nothing. Nothing more precious. You can have the whole world and not have peace of mind. And he says, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. So, if you're reading the Bible, what's the, con- what's the condition of getting the peace, the rest, the stillness? What, in that verse, com- coming to him. So it's not like we're... Just, he doesn't just come and invade our world. We come to him for something. And then there's a rest and a stillness and a peace of mind that comes through the response to the invitation. And so our souls need rest. The soul, the, the way we think, our harried thinking. Our emotions need rest. How many of you can be led through the day by your emotions? You wake up, not saying emotions are bad, but you wake up, you look at the day ahead, and you think, this is going to be a bad day. There's too much to do and not enough time. Or you think, "Um, the things I've got in my day, I don't like. So you feel despondent, despairing, restless, and anxious. And Jesus is saying... I have got the capacity that you can find rest for your souls. Your mind can be at rest. Your emotions can be at rest. That you can learn from me and I'm going to be gentle with you and I'm going to be humble with you and I'm going to teach you how to be at rest when you come to me. How many of us feel that we just dare not stop and be still because we fear that everything will come crowding into our thinking? And so we keep busy, we keep active, because if we stop, the reality of our inner world is going to catch us up and we're going to realise how worried, fretful, anxious and fearful and disturbed we really are. So we keep busy, we keep preoccupied. We fill every waking moment with activity and distraction and things so we never have to recognise 
my soul is not at rest, my mind is not at rest, and my emotions are not at rest. Even the holidays that people take more and more are full of organised activity where they never have to be still and realise, you know what, my soul is not at rest. So even the leisure and the things that people do to play, it's, I'm going from here to here to here to here and I'm never having to wake up to the fact I don't have peace of mind. And Jesus is saying, there's rest for your souls. I just want to get how profound this is. Because 30 years after coming to know him, you get so familiar with him. I I just remember the day. 18-year-old, totally dominated by the fear of death. Really, really struggling with the glasses always half empty in a really profound way. And just that song, he came. And this peace, this rest, this overwhelming sense, you're real. You're, you're a real person. And you have just invaded my life by the Holy Spirit. And that's not just to be historical memory and testimony. That's to be a daily, moment by moment experience of rest in the midst of life. So it's keeping company with Jesus. Keeping company. Hey guys, you don't think this, this doesn't sound like this is good news this morning. I'm looking, I'm thinking. I think I'm, am I talking to believers? Or am I talking to people who, who say it's true theoretically, but are still in a mess? This is good news. Seriously. I'm telling you that the troubled mind can be settled and dealt with. Seriously. I'm not telling you about a theory. I'm telling you about a genuine invitation from a genuine person who's going to be the rescuer, the saviour. Not me. I can't even save myself. Don't look to me to save you. Because we're both drowned. (laughs) He says, come to me. Come to me. Keeping company with Jesus is how you find rest. It's how you do it. It's not... (coughs) It's not like you're going to go to the picnic this afternoon, yeah? And you're going to eat a picnic. And then you'll think, oh, the next time I'll eat will probably be the next shared lunch. The church, which is around Christmas time. So I'm going to eat really well tonight, this afternoon, because there's nothing more coming until the shared lunch. You can't live from Sunday to Sunday. You can't. You've got to keep company with Jesus, not just day to day, moment by moment. Because all the time there's a knock on the door to be anxious and to fearful and to worry. So I have a declaration I make every morning, which is today I invite Jesus to be the umpire of my mind to settle with finality, all issues and all controversy that arises in my thinking. And it's not just today, it's moment by moment, issue controversy. And that's based on Colossians, let the peace of Christ rule 
in your heart and mind. Umpires, they call things in and they call things out. And their decision in a sport, in a match, referees have final decision whether it's a goal or not a goal. And that's part of how you learn to rest in Jesus. Keeping company with Jesus is how you learn to rest. And, and I think coming to a local church, coming, if you can, come every week to drink deep of Jesus corporately because you get encouragement and there's other people to help you to, to, to be strengthened, to be built up and to grow. But be doing that yourself. Be like King David who said, I strengthen myself in the Lord. I know how to feed my soul. I know, that's what a mature believer is. I know how to feed me. And now I'm going to raise up and disciple others and help them learn how to feed too. Maturity is always, I know how to come to Jesus. That's always maturity. And maturity is, I'm going to help other people come to Jesus. Not come to me, not come to you, but to come to Jesus. It's, all, it's, the, it's in the natural like that. We raise up children ultimately to grow up and, and to fulfil the call of God on their life. And they go off and do that. Because we, the natural thing is that. They go off as adults who have been prepared for life. And that's what Jesus is doing for us. He's maturing us. So hanging out with Jesus is how we learn to live freely and at rest. I want to get that really important because... The, the, it's interesting, we're basing this obviously on scripture, but the research and work of Brenny Brown, remember she went out and she interviewed lots of people to find out what they practiced and what they let go of. Because she found a whole bunch of people who were living wholehearted. And the wholehearted, those who embraced their own imperfections, those who practiced vulnerability, those who felt worthy to love and connect and belong, those who, who uh, were courageous one of the things they practiced was play. They played. Now we're going to unpack what play is, but what I want us to understand is because we have a superior revelation even to the revelations in this research because they practiced certain things like play, but they didn't necessarily practice a relationship with a person who gave them rest. And I believe that trusting Jesus is the birthplace of play because rest is the birthplace of play. I mean, trusting Jesus leads to being settled and at rest. And when we're settled and at rest, we then have the capacity to play. Okay, so it's not the answer today to your um, um, restlessness or troubled is you just need to play more. Because sometimes that's what research can do. It can point you to a wonderful truth that play is restorative... But the goal this morning is not just, oh, I'm going to diary in some more play in my life, which we'll look at later. The goal is you connect to the one who gives rest so that you have the capacity to play. So the wholehearted play, and play is doing things just for the sake of it, for absolutely no purpose. Doing things that are literally just for fun. They've got no goal in them, there's no purpose to them, there's no reason to them. It's having things in our life that we do that are just absolutely pointless and play. And the wholehearted play. And sometimes we can think, well, play is a kind of waste of time. 
And I, I, I want to talk, this is, a, this is a challenge for, for some of you who are doing multiple jobs just to survive. You're saying, I've, I've got no time to even do my multiple jobs, let alone do things that have no purpose. Um, if you're running your own business, that's a huge challenge because you, you can feel, well, if I don't say yes to every single job, will I know if there's another job coming? And so for the self-employed, that's a really big challenge for you guys because you can feel, well, I better say yes and yes and yes and yes and yes because what if no more work comes in? I've got no time to play. It can, it can be hard for those who are um, very intentional as well. You know, if you're very intentional people and you think, right, um, God's bullseye is the transformation of the whole society, there's a lot to do. There's a lot to do. There's a lot to do. And I don't want to do anything that isn't part of my priorities or my tasks or my goals or my vision or my dreams. Because if, if it's got no purpose to it, it's easy to conclude, well, that's a waste of time. But actually, it's not a waste of time because play is absolutely important. The researchers have found that play is as essential to our health as eating, drinking and sleeping. That doing things that have no purpose to them and no reason to them, doing things like play is as important as eating, sleeping and drinking. And we all know that if we go a few days without drinking water, we're, we're going to die. And we all know if we go 40-odd, 50-odd days without eating, we're going to die. And if you go without sleeping, you're not going to do well. And researchers have found that actually the capacity to play is as important as eating, sleeping and drinking. So, the logic. I'm coming to Jesus for rest and stillness and peace. I'm letting him carry my burdens. Now from this place of stillness, where I'm not striving, I'm not chasing after an identity, I'm not getting an identity from productivity, what I produce, and I'm not getting worthiness or or identity from being exhausted... You used to go to loads of church meetings where you ask, you ask leaders, how are you doing? And they would always say the same thing, I'm exhausted. I'm really busy and I'm exhausted. Never heard anybody say, actually, I'm having loads of fun. I'm enjoying Jesus. Well, not never heard anybody. I didn't hear it a lot. <laughs> Rarely. I'm enjoying Jesus. I'm really at rest. I've got a good balance, I'm playing and doing things that have no purpose because I'm still and calm because of who Jesus is for me. It's quite rare, because it's so easy to get worthiness from productivity and exhaustion. So play is not a waste of time. It's a coffee break for the soul. (laughs) It's a coffee break for the soul. Can you see it? We're, we're, We're... we're dealing with the whole of life here. Can you see what we're, we're as a church, we're believing that everything's important. Mm. Yeah. Then we're not just talking about um, just your spirit and your connection to God. We're talking about your body as well. We're talking about your soul. We're talking about your emotional health. We're talking about the stuff that Rochelle looked at last week. Fantastic stuff on faith and patience. Mm. The gauges of your life, your beliefs, your emotions, your body great to listen to that. These, things, these two really complement each other. We're talking about the whole of your life. 
I'm just saying that when, often when, if people go to the doctors and say, actually, I'm, I'm living stressed, they might say, you need to play more, you need to rest more. But we're talking that, that rest and peace of mind in its deepest reality only comes from the invitation of Jesus, come to me. Then from that place, well, he also invites me for a coffee break for the soul, where I get to do things just for the sake of them. I'm learning this is really important because I'm a super, super focused, intentional person. Very focused. If I've got a prophetic word from God, I'm, I'm intentional about working it out. I'll remember it, I'll meditate on it, I'll think about it all the time. I'll do what Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.18, fight the good fight according to the promises. I will do that. I am ruthlessly intentional. I would have books hidden everywhere so that I won't even waste a minute. Fifteen books on the go. So that if I'm ever waiting anywhere, I'll double use the time. They're everywhere. Realising, actually, that intentionality, though, is great, but have you understood that Jesus is after the whole of your life and he invites you as well to a coffee break for the soul? And intentionality can be a hiding place for unbelief. Believing that if I'm not productive, exhausted and doing it, then Jesus won't. So you have to be careful that some of the things that are beautiful and transformative can also be a hiding place for a dysfunctional mindset that believes if I'm not intentional, he won't do it. Okay? So it helps to ask Holy Spirit what's going on. Otherwise you could go around in circles and get nowhere. You need to ask him what he sees. Because he pointed out to me... Play is a coffee break for the soul. Jamie, doing things that have no purpose to them is important. It's vital. It's as vital as eating, drinking and sleeping. Jesus says in Matthew 18.3, he says, says essentially, if you want to see the kingdom of God, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you've got to become like a little child. You've got to grow up and become childlike. So that's what Jesus is saying. And we can take that and say, what do children do really, really well? Children play really well. If you're a teacher in a class, you know that a group of year fives, year fours, whatever, in primary school and secondary school, if they have half an opportunity to move into play, they will. You know, everybody might be focused, it might be quiet. One person does something funny and it's, it's all that's play, and they've got to get it all back. Children move into play and out of play all the time. And I wonder whether one of the crucial reasons that children play is because children are at rest. Because they've got a mum, or they've got a dad, or they've got a mum and a dad, or they've got a guardian, or they've got somebody who's in their world looking after them. They're at rest, they're provided for, they're secure. They're getting an identity from mum and dad. And so those things are producing rest, and rest is the birthplace of play. Now, if children um, are not at rest and anxious and troubled and worried and having to grow up too fast or having to protect and provide for themselves, I think play disappears because life is too serious and they have to be too responsible. So children have this capacity to be in play and out of play and move into those things very, very easily. Children 
forget themselves really easily and they practice fun and they practice wonder and they practice do it again, do it again, do it again. That God gets pleasure from, as one theologian says, he brings the sun up every morning and he's like getting pleasure and joy like it's the first time he's ever seen the sun. Like he's not bored. God is not bored with his creation. He's not bored with the way he has the moon to govern the night and the sun the day. He enjoys the fact the same theologian says, I think that God handcrafts every daisy. Just gets the fun of ah, making another one, making another one, making another one, making another one. Just the joy of it. And this guy goes on to say, I think we're older than our father. <laughs> As adults, we come, become bored, jaded, overly serious, And we lose the wonder of just the world that God has given us. I think this story we had around the jewels appearing around February time. I think I told you, suddenly two jewels appeared in in our car. We kind of put it to the back of our mind. We had a treasure hunt meeting here. Gold started to appear around people's feet as they shared a testimony about God's goodness and good news and healing. My brother and his wife and the cousins came that night. We shared the story of the gold with them. That night, uh, Clemence gets out of bed. There's a huge jewel that's just appeared where I just prayed for her that wasn't there. Identical to the one that had appeared in Fleur's room just a month before. Harry, the cousin, gets up a little while later. There's another huge jewel by his bed. And he's seeing an angel in a corner. So he sees the angelic. And kids... That's not strange for them. Supernatural realm, invisible realm, angels, jewels. Next day, we're adults. Yeah, we've enjoyed the evening before. Kids are still in wonder about it and says, we're going on a jewel hunt. They go on a jewel hunt and they find three jewels that were on the carpet where we'd cleaned that day and they were not there before. Because, because children have an expectation, anticipation, he's going to do it again, he's going to do it again, he's going to do it again. Adults, we get jaded and bored and we're overly sophisticated. Grow up and become like children. Recently, carried on story, I put two jewels in a wallet, they became free by the next day, absolutely knew there was only two. Um, Fleur had two in a bag, they became free. I don't think, we're not worshipping manifestations, but we are worshipping the God who's so fun. Mm. Just, why would you do that? you just got too much time on your hands. <laughs> You're just way too creative. But it begins to create childlike wonder, new routines of walking around looking for them. Do it again, God, do it again, God, do it again, God, do it again. This is so much fun. Zechariah 8.5 talks about, obviously Zechariah is talking about the Restoration, the rebuilding of the physical Jerusalem. But you could also say it's a picture into the city of God where Zechariah says the boys and girls are going to be playing in the streets. That play is an aspect of heaven. That when we say let it be on earth as it is in heaven, part of that 
coming down of the, the aspects of heaven is going to be play. It's going to be activities that have no reason or purpose or functionality. They're just fun and they just ignite joy. Because play invigorates us, it energises us. Play actually increases our focus. Play ignites imagination, innovation and creativity. And when heaven comes to earth, part of that is just the abandonment of play. And so when we play... When we do things that have no purpose to them, when we do things that have no meaning to them, and we do them just because they're fun, we actually, in that moment, we cease to strive. Yeah, in that moment, we're ceasing to strive. In that moment, we're being still. In that moment of doing things that are just for no reason, we're recognising that God is God and I'm not God. That's what we're doing when we're playing. We're saying, because you rule the whole universe, and because you're in charge of everything, I can abandon myself to do things that have no reason or no purpose. I don't have to redeem this moment and make it meaningful, spiritually. Do you see what I mean? Using every moment, I can actually do this activity, this fun, this play, because I live in the smile of God. Because he's a good father. So I can dip in and out of um, being responsible and playful and intentional and resting and being deliberate and at the same time then being playful. That play is a way of unstringing the bow. It's a way of putting the bow at rest. You know, if you leave the strings on the bow all the time, the bow loses its capacity, it loses its strength, it loses its power, because when you come next to fire an arrow, it's less strong than it was before. Rest, play, stillness is a way of unstringing the bow, a time of saying, I don't need to be um, so intense, so intentional, I'm going to rest, and I'm going to play. I'm going to trust you. Now, I want to finish with this thought. Because the, the, the enemy brings temptation in pairs. Okay? And he uses our hatred of one of them to drive us to the extreme. And so, he might bring this temptation around rest and play in this way. He might say, right, um, the, the temptation might be for us to be incredibly passive in life. This, this is one extreme of temptation. I'm incredibly passive. I'm fatalistic. Que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. If God wants to do it, God can do it. God knows where I live. He knows my address. If he wants to meet me, he knows where I am. I'm passive. I've got no direction for my life. Life happens to me. Actually, I'm a victim. Over here is driven, striving, restless, can never play, can never be at rest, because, well, I better be intentional about God, I better use every moment, I better make sure I prayed enough about that, because if I don't, he won't turn up, he won't protect, he won't look after me. Can you see how the enemy brings temptation in pairs? So, for the one over here, the driven one, he uses our hatred of passivity... To drive us more into drivenness and legalism. And for the passive one, says, well, I'm resting. 
I'm at rest. I'm doing nothing. Actually, I'm doing everything I want to do, and I've got no intentionality about anything. I don't like you, driven, striven, intentional person. And so he uses the hatred of one to drive us to the extreme to the other. Yeah? So for some of you can hear this message, and you're hearing through the lens of intentionality, striving, life's too short, there's a lot to do, I've got to get it done, you'll be thinking, there's no time to play. For some of you who, in all honesty, could do and pull your socks up a bit and get a bit more serious about exploration. <laughs> You're hearing this and thinking, he's violating me to play. I knew I was right. I knew I was right. Doing things for no purpose and no meaning, for no reason. That's what I heard this morning. <laughs> Confirmed my position. <laughs> but there's a, there's a middle place. I'm on earth for purpose. God's bullseye is the transformation of everything. I'm a world changer. What I believe matters and what I believe changes the world. Yeah? I am responsible for renewing my mind and taking thoughts captive and being transformed by my by being transformed by the renewing of my mind that I might be a catalytic believer everywhere I go. Everybody. I do that by coming to Jesus where I find rest for my soul. Because I recognise that I cannot save myself and I cannot save anybody else. So I trust, I rest, I yield, I surrender to a person. And in that place of rest, he is so holistic in the way he treats me. And says, you know what, we're doing this together, we're in the yoke together, we're going to be pulling this together. And there'll be times when we're pulling hard. There'll be times when, for the joy set before you, you'll have to endure. You'll have to put yourself through pain. You'll have to go for it. It will feel like you're dying, but we're in it together. But, as we're on that journey, there'll be times when I'm going to cause you to know play and rest. Because it's not all about you. You don't have to be driving and striving and so intentional. But you mustn't either be passive and fatalistic. Because God is under no obligation to shove you into your destiny. Absolutely none whatsoever. He can love you unconditionally. He can love you with all of his heart. He is so pleased with you. But he is not going to shove you into your prophetic calling. Honestly, he won't. He's looking for this place of, I'm coming to him. I've got the gift of self-control. And the gift of self-control is not just that I'm intentional. I know how to rest. I know how to be still, and I know how to play. And when I'm playing, I'm okay for it not to be productive. I don't need to use productivity or exhaustion as status symbols. I can be completely at rest and bear fruit that abides and lasts. Play can be telling stories, play can be humour, play can be playing sport, play can be watching sport, Play can be going to a film, play can be dance, play can be jumping, play can be problem solving, play can be a whole host of things. In your community groups, explore play together. I'm going to pray for us, then we're going to play, okay? (laughs) Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that we can come to you. And we're coming to you. We're not coming to ourselves. We're coming to you, because we've heard and with experience we can find rest for our souls, for our minds and our emotions in coming to you. 
And we thank you that it's in that coming to you that we cease to be passive and we cease to be striving. It's in the coming to you that we recognise that you are the saviour and that you are the giver of rest. And Romans 15 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Joy, peace and rest comes the moment you trust him. Not the moment you have a self-discipline thing, you think, I've got to try harder to trust him. The moment you believe that his goodness is going to show up in any area, the moment you get hope is the moment you get peace and rest and stillness. As Pete Carter says, to have peace that transcends all understanding, you must have circumstances that you don't understand. Okay? If you want peace that you goes beyond your intellectual mind. You've got to have situations and circumstances that go beyond your ability to understand. So that despite the fact that you cannot see a way, you trust in a God who makes a way where there is no way. And so right now, you can make great exchanges with Jesus. You can come to him and find peace for your soul and rest for your soul and peace for your mind as you trust him for that situation at work. As you trust him for that financial issue. As you trust him for that relational issue. As you say, today, right now, I invite you to be the umpire of my mind. To settle this issue and to settle this controversy with finality. Call it in, Jesus. Call it out, Jesus. I'm relying on you. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. I'm not going to find counsel in my own soul. I'm leaning, trusting and relying on you for this. And then peace comes. Now, peace is coming right now as you have that transaction with Jesus. He's the umpire. He knows what to do. He's got an answer. Wisdom is on the way. It's coming. It's coming. May not come right now, but it's coming. You, you put something on Amazon. We've got an Amazon Prime thing this month, just for a test. A bit shocking that you can order a CD in the morning and it comes by six in the evening. But the, but the moment you order, you get a tracking number and you know it's on the way. And that's like that with wisdom. When you make your request to him for wisdom, for what you don't understand, what you need the wisdom on, you get a tracking number, wisdom is going to come. It's going to find you. It's on its way. I didn't doubt whether that CD was coming. I've got a tracking number. And when you ask for wisdom, it's coming. You've got a tracking number. So...